chapter nineteen of peveril of the peak by sir walter scott this librivox recording is in the public domain read by dion gines salt lake city utah now hoist the anchor mates and let the sails give their broad bosom to the buxom wind like lass that woos a lover anonymous the presence of the countess dispelled the superstitious feeling which for an instant had encroached on julian's imagination and compelled him to give attention to the matters of ordinary life here are your credentials she said giving him a small packet carefully packed up in a sealskin cover you had better not open them till you come to london you must not be surprised to find that there are one or two addressed to men of my own persuasion these for all our sakes you will observe caution in delivering i go your messenger madam said peveril and whatever you desire me to charge myself with of that i undertake the care yet allow me to doubt whether an intercourse with catholics will at this moment forward the purposes of my mission you have caught the general suspicion of this wicked sect already said the countess smiling and are the fitter to go amongst englishmen in their present mood but my cautious friend these letters are so addressed and the persons to whom they are addressed so disguised that you will run no danger in conversing with them without their aid indeed you will not be able to obtain the accurate information you go in search of none can tell so exactly how the wind sets as the pilot whose vessel is exposed to the storm besides though you protestants deny our priesthood the harmlessness of the dove you are ready enough to allow us a full share of the wisdom of the serpent in plain terms their means of information are extensive and they are not deficient in the power of applying it i therefore wish you to have the benefit of their intelligence and advice if possible whatever you impose upon me as a part of my duty madam rely on its being discharged punctually answered peveril and now as there is little use in deferring the execution of a purpose when once fixed let me know your ladyship's wishes concerning my departure it must be sudden and secret said the countess the island is full of spies and i would not wish that any of them should have notice that an envoy of mine was about to leave man for london can you be ready to go on board to-morrow to-night this instant if you will said julian my little preparations are complete be ready then in your chamber at two hours after midnight i will send one to summon you for our secret must be communicated for the present to as few as possible a foreign sloop is engaged to carry you over then make the best of your way to london by martindale castle or otherwise as you find most advisable 
when it is necessary to announce your absence i will say you are gone to see your parents but stay your journey will be on horseback of course from whitehaven you have bills of exchange it is true but are you provided with ready money to furnish yourself with a good horse i am sufficiently rich madam answered julian and good nags are plenty in cumberland there are those among them who know how to come by them good and cheap trust not to that said the countess here is what will purchase for you the best horse on the borders can you be simple enough to refuse it she added as she pressed on him a heavy purse which he saw himself obliged to accept a good horse julian continued the countess and a good sword next to a good heart and head are the accomplishments of a cavalier i kiss your hands then madam said peveril and humbly beg you to believe that whatever may fail in my present undertaking my purpose to serve you my noble kinswoman and benefactress can at least never swerve or falter i know it my son i know it and may god forgive me if my anxiety for your friend has sent you on dangers which should have been his go go may saints and angels bless you fenella shall acquaint him that you sup in your own apartment so indeed will i for to-night i should be unable to face my son's looks little will he thank me for sending you on his errand and there will be many to ask whether it was like the lady of latham to trust her friend's son on the danger which should have been braved by her own but oh julian i am now a forlorn widow whom sorrow has made selfish tush madam answered peveril it is more unlike the lady of latham to anticipate dangers which may not exist at all and to which if they do indeed occur i am less obnoxious than my noble kinsman farewell all blessings attend you madam commend me to derby and make him my excuses i shall expect a summons at two hours after midnight they took an affectionate leave of each other the more affectionate indeed on the part of the countess that she could not entirely reconcile her generous mind to exposing peveril to danger on her son's behalf and julian betook himself to his solitary apartment his servant soon afterwards brought him wine and refreshments to which notwithstanding the various matters he had to occupy his mind he contrived to do reasonable justice but when this needful occupation was finished his thoughts began to stream in upon him like a troubled tide at once recalling the past and anticipating the future it was in vain that he wrapped himself in his riding-cloak and lying down on his bed endeavoured to compose himself to sleep the uncertainty of the prospect before him the doubt how bridgenorth might dispose of his daughter during his absence the fear that the major himself 
might fall into the power of the vindictive countess besides a numerous train of vague and half-formed apprehensions agitated his blood and rendered slumber impossible alternately to recline in the old oaken easy-chair and listen to the dashing of the waves under the windows mingled as the sound was with the scream of the sea-birds or traverse the apartment with long and slow steps pausing occasionally to look out on the sea slumbering under the influence of a full moon which tipped each wave with silver such were the only pastimes he could invent until midnight had passed for one hour the next was wasted in anxious expectation of the summons of departure at length it arrived a tap at his door was followed by a low murmur which made him suspect that the countess had again employed her mute attendant as the most secure minister of her pleasure on this occasion he felt something like impropriety in this selection and it was with a feeling of impatience alien to the natural generosity of his temper that when he opened the door he beheld the dumb maiden standing before him the lamp which he held in his hand showed his features distinctly and probably made fenella aware of the expression which animated them she cast her large dark eyes mournfully on the ground and without again looking him in the face made him a signal to follow her he delayed no longer than was necessary to secure his pistols in his belt wrap his cloak closer around him and take his small portmanteau under his arm thus accoutred he followed her out of the keep or inhabited part of the castle by a series of obscure passages leading to a postern gate which she unlocked with a key selected from a bundle which she carried at her girdle they now stood in the castle yard in the open moonlight which glimmered white and ghastly on the variety of strange and ruinous objects to which we have formerly alluded and which gave the scene rather the appearance of some ancient cemetery than of the interior of a fortification the round and elevated tower the ancient mount with its quadrangular sides facing the ruinous edifices which once boasted the name of cathedral seemed of yet more antique and anomalous form when seen by the pale light which now displayed them to one of these churches fenella took the direct course and was followed by julian although he at once divined and was superstitious enough to dislike the path which she was about to adopt it was by a secret passage through this church that in former times the guard-room of the garrison situated at the lower and external defences communicated with the keeper of the castle and through this passage were the keys of the castle every night carried to the governor's apartment so soon as the gates were locked and the watch set the custom was given up in james the first time and the passage abandoned on account of the well-known legend of the moth dog 
a fiend or demon in the shape of a large shaggy black mastiff by which the church was said to be haunted it was devoutly believed that in former days this spectre became so familiar with mankind as to appear nightly in the guard-room issuing from the passage which we have mentioned at night and retiring to it at daybreak the soldiers became partly familiarized to its presence yet not so much so as to use any license of language while the apparition was visible until one fellow rendered daring by intoxication swore he would know whether it was dog or devil and with his drawn sword followed the spectre when it retreated by the usual passage the man returned in a few minutes sobered by terror his mouth gaping and his hair standing on end under which horror he died but unhappily for the lovers of the marvellous altogether unable to disclose the horrors which he had seen under the evil repute arising from this tale of wonder the guard-room was abandoned and a new one constructed in like manner the guards after that period held another and more circuitous communication with the governor or seneschal of the castle and that which lay through the ruinous church was entirely abandoned in defiance of the legendary terrors which tradition had attached to the original communication fenella followed by peveril now boldly traversed the ruinous vaults through which it lay sometimes only guided over heaps of ruins by the precarious light of the lamp borne by the dumb maiden sometimes having the advantage of a gleam of moonlight darting into the dreary abyss through the shafted windows or through breaches made by time as the path was by no means a straight one peveril could not but admire the intimate acquaintance with the mazes which his singular companion displayed as well as the boldness with which she traversed them he himself was not so utterly void of the prejudices of the times but that he contemplated with some apprehension the possibility of their intruding on the lair of the phantom hound of which he had heard so often and in every remote sight of the breeze among the ruins he thought he heard him baying at the mortal footsteps which disturbed his gloomy realm no such terrors however interrupted their journey and in the course of a few minutes they attained the deserted and now ruinous guard-house the broken walls of the little edifice served to conceal them from the sentinels one of whom was keeping a drowsy watch at the lower gate of the castle whilst another seated on the stone steps which communicated with the parapet of the bounding and exterior wall was slumbering in full security with his musket peacefully grounded by his side fenella made a sign to peveril to move with silence and caution and then showed him to his surprise from the window of the deserted guard-room a boat for it was now high water with four rowers lurking under the cliff on which the castle was built 
and made him farther sensible that he was to have access to it by a ladder of considerable height placed at the window of the ruin julian was both displeased and alarmed by the security and carelessness of the sentinels who had suffered such preparations to be made without observation or alarm given and he hesitated whether he should not call the officer of the guard upbraid him with negligence and show him how easily home peel in spite of its natural strength and although reported impregnable might be surprised by a few resolute men fenella seemed to guess his thoughts with that extreme acuteness of observation which her deprivations had occasioned her acquiring she laid one hand on his arm and a finger of the other on her own lips as if to enjoin forbearance and julian knowing that she acted by the direct authority of the countess obeyed her accordingly but with the internal resolution to lose no time in communicating his sentiments to the earl concerning the danger to which the castle was exposed on this point in the meantime he descended the ladder with some precaution for the steps were unequal broken wet and slippery and having placed himself in the stern of the boat made a signal to the men to push off and turned to take farewell of his guide to his utter astonishment fenella rather slid down than descended regularly the perilous ladder and the boat being already pushed off made a spring from the last step of it with incredible agility and seated herself beside peveril ere he could express either remonstrance or surprise he commanded the men once more to pull into the precarious landing-place and throwing into his countenance a part of the displeasure which he really felt endeavoured to make her comprehend the necessity of returning to her mistress fenella folded her arms and looked at him with a haughty smile which completely expressed the determination of her purpose peveril was extremely embarrassed he was afraid of offending the countess and interfering with her plan by giving alarm which otherwise he was much tempted to have done on fenella it was evident no species of argument which he could employ was likely to make the least impression and the question remained how if she went on with him he was to rid himself of so singular and inconvenient a companion and provide at the same time sufficiently for her personal security the boatmen brought the matter to a decision for after lying on their oars for a minute and whispering among themselves in low dutch or german they began to pull stoutly and were soon at some distance from the castle the possibility of the sentinels sending a musket-ball or even a cannon-shot after them was one of the contingencies which gave peveril momentary anxiety but they left the fortress as they must have approached it unnoticed or at least unchallenged a carelessness on the part of the garrison 
which notwithstanding that oars were muffled and that the men spoke little and in whispers argued in peveril's opinion great negligence on the part of the sentinels when they were a little way from the castle the men began to row briskly towards a small vessel which lay at some distance peveril had in the meantime leisure to remark that the boatmen spoke to each other doubtfully and bent anxious looks on fenella as if uncertain whether they had acted properly in bringing her off after about a quarter of an hour's rowing they reached the little sloop where peveril was received by the skipper or captain on the quarter-deck with an offer of spirits or refreshments a word or two among the seamen withdrew the captain from his hospitable cares and he flew to the ship's side apparently to prevent fenella from entering the vessel the men and he talked eagerly in dutch looking anxiously at fenella as they spoke together and peveril hoped the result would be that the poor woman should be sent ashore again but she baffled whatever opposition could be offered to her and when the accommodation ladder as it is called was withdrawn she snatched the end of a rope and climbed on board with the dexterity of a sailor leaving them no means of preventing her entrance save by actual violence to which apparently they did not choose to have recourse once on deck she took the captain by the sleeve and led him to the head of the vessel where they seemed to hold intercourse in a manner intelligible to both peveril soon forgot the presence of the mute as he began to muse upon his own situation and the probability that he was separated for some considerable time from the object of his affections constancy he repeated to himself constancy and as if in coincidence with the theme of his reflections he fixed his eyes on the polar star which that night twinkled with more than ordinary brilliancy emblem of pure passion and steady purpose the thoughts which arose as he viewed its clear and unchanging light were disinterested and noble to seek his country's welfare and secure the blessings of domestic peace to discharge a bold and perilous duty to his friend and patron to regard his passion for alice bridgenorth as the lodestar which was to guide him to noble deeds were the resolutions which thronged upon his mind and which exalted his spirits to that state of romantic melancholy which perhaps is ill exchanged even for feelings of joyful rapture he was recalled from those contemplations by something which nestled itself softly and closely to his side a woman's sigh sounded so near him as to disturb his reverie and as he turned his head he saw fenella seated beside him with her eyes fixed on the same star which had just occupied his own his first emotion was that of displeasure but it was impossible to persevere in it towards a being so helpless in many respects so interesting in others whose large dark eyes were filled with dew which glistened in the moonlight 
and the source of whose emotions seemed to be in a partiality which might well claim indulgence at least from him who was the object of it at the same time julian resolved to seize the present opportunity for such expostulations with fenella on the strangeness of her conduct as the poor maiden might be able to comprehend he took her hand with great kindness but at the same time with much gravity pointed to the boat and to the castle whose towers and extended walls were now scarce visible in the distance and thus intimated to her the necessity of her return to home peel she looked down and shook her head as if negativing his proposal with obstinate decision julian renewed his expostulation by look and gesture pointed to his own heart to intimate the countess and bent his brows to show the displeasure which she must entertain to all which the maiden only answered by her tears at length as if driven to explanation by his continued remonstrances she suddenly seized him by the arm to arrest his attention cast her eye hastily around as if to see whether she was watched by any one then drew the other hand edgewise across her slender throat pointed to the boat and to the castle and nodded on this series of signs peveril could put no interpretation excepting that he was menaced with some personal danger from which fenella seemed to conceive that her presence was a protection whatever was her meaning her purpose seemed unalterably adopted at least it was plain he had no power to shake it he must therefore wait till the end of their short voyage to disembarrass himself of his companion and in the meanwhile acting on the idea of her having harboured a misplaced attachment to him he thought he should best consult her interest and his own character in keeping at as great a distance from her as circumstances admitted with this purpose he made the sign she used for going to sleep by leaning his head on his palm and having thus recommended to her to go to rest he himself desired to be conducted to his berth the captain readily showed him a hammock in the after-cabin into which he threw himself to seek that repose which the exercise and agitation of the preceding day as well as the lateness of the hour made him now feel desirable sleep deep and heavy sunk down on him in a few minutes but it did not endure long in his sleep he was disturbed by female cries and at length as he thought distinctly heard the voice of alice bridgenorth call on his name he awoke and starting up to quit his bed became sensible from the motion of the vessel and the swinging of the hammock that his dream had deceived him he was still startled by its extreme vivacity and liveliness julian peveril help julian peveril the sounds still rung in his ears the accents were those of alice and he could scarce persuade himself that his imagination had deceived him 
could she be in the same vessel the thought was not altogether inconsistent with her father's character and the intrigues in which he was engaged but then if so to what peril was she exposed that she invoked his name so loudly determined to make instant inquiry he jumped out of his hammock half dressed as he was and stumbled about the little cabin which was as dark as pitch at length with considerable difficulty reached the door the door however he was altogether unable to open and was obliged to call loudly to the watch upon deck the skipper or captain as he was called being the only person aboard who could speak english answered to the summons and replied to peveril's demand what noise that was that a boat was going off with the young woman that she whimpered a little as she left the vessel and dat was all his dream was thus fully explained fancy had caught up the inarticulate and vehement cries with which fenella was wont to express resistance or displeasure had coined them into language and given them the accents of alice bridgenorth our imagination plays wilder tricks with us almost every night the captain now undid the door and appeared with a lantern without the aid of which peveril could scarce have regained his couch where he now slumbered secure and sound until day was far advanced and the invitation of the captain called him up to breakfast End of chapter nineteen